Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, it's it's here, you know. Um, spring, spring, and uh, <laughs> and the uh, the basketball tournament. Yes, it is, and Masters is right around the corner. Masters right around. It's a great time of probably the year. my favorite time of the year. It is, other than it football is. season. Well, yeah, football and, season is pretty good. And the holiday season. you got a lot of favorite and times summer. of the year, yeah, don't you? I'm just a happy guy. Yeah, you are, man. I, I love that <laughs> attitude here amidst all this uncertainty yeah. we've been having. That's, uh, <clears throat> got to be optimistic. That's great. Be optimistic, no doubt. Yeah, and speaking of optimistic, I mean, we got some some great things to talk about this morning. You know, we're going to start off with the 15 ways to teach kids about money, right? 15, man. That's chock full of that's info. That's a lot. It's come that's from the Ramsey organization. They're so passionate about teaching you know, young folks about money, and uh, this goes from preschoolers all the way up to uh, to high schoolers. Um, it's really, really good, so I encourage you to stick around and listen to that. Yeah, I think that's very valuable information and important for young people, for sure. And then we're going to follow that up with the Backdoor Roth Revisited. And we talked about this a lot before, but, you know, this is a really important tool in your chest for, for managing your taxes down the road. Um, can't tell you how important Roths are in retirement to have a significant chunk of your money in a Roth. So, uh, we're going to tell you, we're going to revisit the, the, the best way to get a lot of money in there quickly, um, by with the backdoor Roth. Um, before we get into that, um, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, a Dave Ramsey Certified Counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast Listen to it on iTunes. We have Facebook page. We have a lot of a lot of tools out on the website. If you've never gone out to the website, go check it out. There's calculators out there, some good information about college degrees and so forth. So uh, trying to um, you know trying to be money doctors here, right? Help Man. help people out. Absolutely, lots of good information. And by the way, you can link to us there and send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll address those questions here on the show. All right, that leads us up to our first thing here, and that is the uh, fact of the week. Yeah, this is um, this goes back a ways in history. Remember Alan Greenspan? Uh, he had the uh, famous irrational exuberant speech back in uh, 1996. Yep. And his uh, comments were directed at what he believed to be unrealistic stock values. Um, and uh, you know what's interesting is. You know, he turned out to be right, but the markets uh, continued their their run for another three and a half years from when he, he said that. He was just a little bit early. He was. He was. He probably was, was accurate in those statements, but I guess the point is, is that, um, you know, he's a smart guy, and um, you can't make decisions on headlines. I yeah, mean, I mean, I would even say in 1996, he wasn't accurate because, I mean, really... You know, yes, the market had gone up, but earnings were really taken off then. I mean, you know, it was a great period, and we had, like you said, three and a half more years of of terrific growth. Yeah. If you'd have sold at that point because you thought things were irrationally no, I agree. expensive, I, it did, it did, it did, you know, go down significantly after that. So if you drew a straight line through it, but I understand what you're saying. You can't make decisions based on people's comments. Exactly. I mean, <clears throat> you know? even being the Fed chair, I guess my perspective is even the Fed chair with all the information he had before other people had it. 
he didn't he couldn't predict the market. He was wrong, you know, really. I mean, the markets at the end of the day, three yeah, three and a half years he was definitely wrong. It's <clears> a <throat> long time. Um, the markets took off for the next three and a half years too. They weren't just small gains, you know. Oh, they were um, huge, yeah. And then the markets then they, they did cr- well, they did pull back. Technology stocks crashed yeah. in two thousand. But it was really just technology that crashed. You know, I mean, the rest of the market, yes, it went down, but it, it recovered, you know, in 2003. So yeah, it did. it's not like it was a permanent drop from that point. So those prices were were real. Yeah, I mean, takeaway, don't make decisions based on headlines. Even, exactly. you know, coming from, I mean, people don't know where the markets are going, period. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a great fact of the week. Very interesting. All right, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the 15 ways to teach kids about money. Yeah, Steve. I mean, the fact is, this comes from the Ramsey organization. If you don't teach your kids about money, someone else will. Unfortunately, right? someone that's else is true. lined up, that's and um, that's not a risk you want to take. I mean, so we're going to kind of dive into it real quickly here. We're going to talk about the preschoolers and kindergartners and what you can do with your young kids. And uh, the first thing is pretty easy: use a clear jar uh, to save. So the piggy bank is a great idea, but let them see it. You know, make it a visual. It does help. <clears throat> help. They can see it. Yeah, you can clink it in there and shake it around and see all the coins moving around and you know they can see the money growing as they put it in there and um you know yesterday they had a, a dollar bill and five dimes and today they have a, follow, a dollar bill five dimes and some quarters in there so talk to them through that make a big deal when it's growing it's just a visual very easy way it makes noise uh it's kind of fun yeah, visual is always good for anything. You know, yes. even in your diet plan, I mean, if you got it posted in the refrigerator, you can see yeah. it every day. You know, if you're trying to reach a savings goal, if you post that in your refrigerator, yeah, if pic- you, you're looking at it, I mean, visual is very powerful. Picture of it? cakes and pies and everything. There you, you know, go. You can see that up there. Absolutely, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't want any sweets sitting around the that's counter right. whenever you're right. trying to diet. So uh, that's a good one. Next one here is a set an example. You know, there's a study by the University of Cambridge that found that money habits in children are formed by the time they're seven years old. Wow. That's right. Their little eyes are watching you. And if you're, you know, slapping down plastic every time you go out to dinner, the grocery store, they're eventually going to notice that, you know, and they're going to think that's the way they're supposed to do it. So or if you and your spouse are arguing about money, um, they're going to notice that too. So set a healthy example for your kids, and they're going to be much more likely to follow that example when they get older. It's going to stick in their brains, and it's going to be something they're going to say, you know, that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. And um, it's going to set a great set a great example for your kids. Yeah, and the third one here for preschoolers and kindergartners is show them that stuff costs money. You know, it's, it's good to talk to them about it, to say, hey, that, you know, toy cars cost $5, but you know, help them get some money out of their jar and take it to the store. And if they want to buy it, they can physically hand the money to the cashier. This simple action is certainly going to be more impactful than a lecture. Uh, It's good to talk to them about it, but have them physically do the transaction. So that's the third one. And we're going to switch over to elementary students and middle schoolers. And um, it's a little bit more advanced concept, but opportunity cost is an important concept. And so basically, you know, um, that's just another way of saying if you buy this video game, then you won't have the money to buy that pair of shoes. And at this age, your kids should be able to weigh decisions and understand, hey, if I buy this, then the money is gone and I've lost the opportunity to do something else with it. 
Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Next one here, John, is to give earnings, not allowances. Commissions. Um, yeah. Commissions. They call them commissions. Yeah. I like to call it kind Earn. of earnings because <laughs> they're working. Yeah. Yeah, they're working. You know, this is what they earned, right? I mean, don't just give your kids money for breathing, right? I mean, pay them earnings based on the chores they do, like, a, you know, pay for work here. Um, you know, things they do around the house, like taking out the trash, cleaning the room, um, you know, mowing the grass. I mean, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey and his daughter, Rachel Cruz, they talk a lot about this system in their book, you know, smart, smart money, smart kids. You know, this concept helps your kids understand that money is earned. It's not just given to them. Yeah, I like that. I like to earn, too. I mean, I've seen the commission piece of it, but, you know, it's it's working. It's earnings. Yeah, <clears throat> when you yeah, work, yeah. you get In our paid. business, commissions have a negative connotation. Yeah. I just don't like that, yeah. that idea that it's like you're selling something to yeah, somebody. You know, this is this is earnings. It's good. I like that. I like it. We'll, we'll change it to earnings. There you go. We'll, we'll see if Ramsey will good, change it. Good, good. Number six here is avoid impulse buys. You need to teach them this. So instead of, uh, you know, hey, I found this cute dress, mom, can I, can I buy it? Can I buy it? Please, 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 please. And, you know, this age group, you know, likes to capitalize on impulse uh, buys, um, especially when it comes to someone else's money. So instead of giving in, let your child know that they can use their hard-earned, you know, earnings to pay for that and encourage your child to at least, at least wait one day when purchasing anything over $15. So it'll likely still still be there, but it'll teach them, you know, that making money decisions, um, you know, you shouldn't kind of be rash and make you know, rash decisions. You should wait 24 hours. So I like that one a lot. You know, if you want to buy something, wait. Uh, we talk about that you know, periodically yep, on the show absolutely. as well. Uh, the seventh one here is uh, stress the importance of giving. Once they start, you know, making a little money, you can teach them about giving. Um, they can pick a church, a charity, or even someone they know that needs a little bit of help. So eventually, you know, they'll see how giving doesn't just affect the people they give to, but the giver as well. So I like that one. Make sure giving is a part of this process. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The next one here is to teach them contentment. You know, I mean, your teen, your teen probably spends a good chunk of their time staring at a screen as they scroll through the social media on their iPhone or something, right? <laughs> Um, and every second they're online, they're seeing the highlight reel with their friends, their family, or even strangers. Um, you know, the quickest way to bring on the uh, comparison trap, you know, is to see it on social media, right? I mean, you hear things like, you know, Dad, I mean, Mark's parents, you know, brought him, bought him a brand new car or um you know, how come I have to drive this 1970, 1993 Subaru, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, mom, this girl at eight, at school, she spends $10,000 and her sweet 16 Ooh. party. Wow. And I want to do that too. <laughs> These crazy comparisons. Yeah. I mean, contentment starts in the heart. I mean, let your teen know that, you know, their car, they're driving, although it may not be the newest one on the block, it's still running well, you know, enough to, to get them from point A to point B and, you know, that's not where their contentment lies. It doesn't lie in what's your car you drive, um, you know, and, and you can still, uh, you know, throw a memorable milestone, you know, birthday party in there without spending a chunk of your retirement savings on it. So teach them to be content with where they're at and, you know, teach them to count their blessings every yeah, day. That's so important. I like that one as well. Number nine here is uh, give them responsibility of a bank account. Uh, we did this with our kids as well. Um, you know, by the time your your kid's a teenager, you should be able to set them up a simple bank account. Um, you know, if you've been uh, doing some of the above along the way, so you had some training. Uh, this takes some money management to the next level and uh, hopefully will prepare them for managing um, you know, bigger accounts when they get older. The other thing about that is you're able to see their activity and have conversations with them. I know 
my kids, when they were got to this phase, they were spending it all on eating out. And it's like, well, you know, if you do this, you can't do this. It's kind of the opportunity cost thing. So it gives you a chance to come alongside them and give them some, uh, some guidance on that. Number 10 is uh, get them saving for college. I mean, there's no time like the present to have your teen start saving for college. And, you know, do they plan on working a summer job? Uh, take a portion of that and toss it in a college savings account. Your teen is going to feel like they have some skin in the game was they, when they start contributing towards their education. So that's another good one. Yeah, that is. The next one on the list here, John, is to teach them to steer clear of student loans. Um, you know, before your teen ever applies to college, you need to sit down and have the talk about, you know, how are we going to pay for college talk and let your teen know that, you know, student loans aren't an option to fund their education or certainly not the major option. So talk through all the alternatives out there, you know, like going to a community college for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to an in-state university, working part time while they're in school applying for scholarships now. There are lots of ways to keep the cost of college down, but bring them into that process and, you know, have that conversation early so that they know there's a plan in place and, you know, there's some parameters around how paying for college is going to work. Yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, $1.5 trillion of student loan debt. That's a major issue in our Crazy. in our country. Crazy. Uh, number 12 here is um, talk to them about credit cards. When they turn 18, they will be hounded by credit card offers um, once they're in college as well. So you got to teach them why debt is a bad idea. Um, you don't want them to get started in the uh, the debt cycle. It's, it's very, very difficult to get out of it. 13 is uh, a budget, <clears throat> you know, you get they have uh, Dave Ramsey has an every dollar app, and uh, we see you know teens are glued to their mobile devices. But uh, this is you know, this is an app they can use this. It's a great way to uh, to budget their income no, no matter how small it is. So get them on the every dollar app. Uh, number fourteen is a compound interest. This is really key. And uh, how in the world are you going to get them to become investment savvy at that point? Just start talking to them. Dave has some great resources out there. Compound interest is a magical thing. And if they can learn this and start investing in Roth IRAs um, when they're young, it's amazing what it does over 40 or 45 years. The numbers get ginormous. So compound interest is the topic. And uh, finally, help them figure out how to make money. Um, you know, they have a lot of free time, fall break, summer break, um, you know, they have, uh, extra time. And so, you know, if your teen wants some money and, and wants to start investing, help them find a job, figure out what they're, they're good at, they're passionate on. Maybe they can do some internships as well. So, um, these are 15 items, great information. The Ramsey organization does a super job. Uh, if you have questions, you can certainly reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to, uh, to help you. Yeah, great topic. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yes, the question of the week is uh, Roth conversions. A little different than the backdoor Roth, but yeah, um, yeah. Sim- talk- similar topic. That's right. Yeah, I mean, now might be a great time to do Roth conversions. You know, it's a it's a good time to do it while markets are down because you're paying less on taxes. You're getting it in there at a smaller tax bite into a tax free environment in a Roth. So, you know, you might want to convert from a regular IRA to a Roth. Another consideration is your tax bracket, Yep. you know, and the question is, are you in a lower tax bracket now than you will be in retirement, particularly after you have to start taking required minimum distributions at age 72? So you have to consider that. And, you know, if you're going to be in a higher tax bracket later because you have pension and other things coming in, and then you have a big RMD from your required minimum distribution from your your uh, retirement plan, 
uh, then yes, doing a conversion now may make a lot of sense. In general, I love to see people do conversions if you can do it in a 12% tax bracket. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. That's kind of a no-brainer because that's a really low tax bracket. Anybody under about, if a married couple's <laughs> under about $105,000, $106,000 of adjusted gross income, then there's probably some room in that 12% bracket to do some conversions. And because uh, that's where it switches to a 22% bracket for a couple filing married mm-hmm. jointly. So, um yeah, it's definitely something to consider. We 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 love doing Roth conversions, um, particularly if you can pay the tax out of your pocket. That's another consideration because that way, um, if you don't have to withhold taxes, you can pay it out of your pocket. You're actually getting more money in a tax-free environment yes. um, than you had in the IRA. So yeah. great question of the week. It's a good one. And along the same lines, you know, our next topic here is – is talking about Roth. It's the backdoor Roth. Um, we're going to revisit this a little bit. This is an article out of uh, uh, Yahoo Finance, Rebecca Lake, very recent article. Um, but, you know, uh, John, I mean, earnings, a high income, you know, may be uh, a key to a more comfortable retirement for sure, but it actually can lock you out of some of the tax advantage savings vehicles out there like a Roth IRA. And that's because a larger salary um, does limit you from being able to contribute to a Roth. For 2020, um, Roth contributions aren't allowed for single folks making over $139,000 or for married folks um, making over $206,000. So, you know, it's a pretty high limit. You know, most people do qualify for making those contributions. But but there are a lot of people that don't, too. And so if you don't qualify, there are some ways around that because um, Roth IRAs um, allow for tax free distributions in retirement. Um, so they're very you know advantageous. You want to take advantage of a Roth if at all you can. Um, they're an invaluable tool for kind of managing your taxes in retirement. If you can get a lot of money in a Roth then it's going to help you have some options when you start taking income, where you take it from, how much of that is going to be taxable, and how much is going to be tax-free. Because money that comes out of Roths are tax-free um, when you take it out. So it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, so th- th- these are some of the things we're going to talk about, a little detailed. But um, a backdoor Roth IRA is another name for a Roth IRA conversion. And the transaction involves really just taking traditional IRA assets to Roth IRA assets, and it's a multi-stage process. So in terms of the mechanics, the first step is making contributions to a non-deductible IRA. And this refers to the you know traditional IRA whose contributions you, you can't get a tax deduction for uh, based on the saver's income, maybe filing status, and the coverage by the employer's retirement plan. So you got to get it into a non-deductible IRA as the first step. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's the first step because there's not that income limit on getting money into a non-deductible IRA. Um, so you get it in there first. But once the non-deductible IRA is funded, the next step is converting it to a, from an IRA to a Roth. And the conversion can be completed um, using the existing Roth account um, or you may open up a new Roth account once you, if you don't have one. Uh, the easiest way to execute a conversion is just a trustee to trustee transfer, or the the uh, you can do it within your own financial institution, um, and you just you just do the conversion, you pay the tax if there's any tax to pay, but usually there won't be because after tax money you put in the Roth yep. or in the IRA, and then you report it on uh, a form with when you file your taxes. 
Um, so after the conversion is complete, the money in your Roth IRA becomes, um, you know, subject to the Roth IRA distribution rules. And the primary benefit is that any future earnings from the investments in the account are going to be tax free, you know, and you're not going to have to withdraw it. Your heirs um, also get tax free treatment on it. So it will never be taxed again. It'll be tax free forever. All the earnings will be tax free on that as well. Um, and in addition, your, your Roth IRA is not subject to the RMD rules, the required minimum distribution. So with the traditional IRA, now you have to start taking required minimum distributions at age 72 or you face a penalty. Um, Roth IRAs are not subject to that RMD. Yeah. So there is a catch though. Um, you know, when you convert a Roth, um, when converting to a Roth, you can minimize your tax liability when you tap your assets in retirement, but you're not going to be able to avoid taxes completely. So here's where it gets complicated. You're probably going to have to work with a CPA um, slash advisor on this. Any untaxed amounts in your traditional IRA are taxed at the time the conversion is completed. So this includes both pre-tax conversions as well as gains. So if you're in a higher tax bracket, a conversion could add significantly to your tax bill in the year when you make the conversion. Now, so this you got to understand your tax situation for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, I mean the bottom line here on, well, well, let me just continue on on that, on that theme, if you will. I mean, the non-deductible, uh, traditional IRA funds, they can simplify the process, um, as these contributions are are treated as after-tax dollars for conversion purposes. Um, you know, taxation of the, the backdoor Roth can get more complicated though, if you have, if you have taxable money pre-tax money in your IRAs, then there's something called this pro rata rule. Yeah, that's where, where it gets difficult. That's where it gets complicated because yep. you do have to pay tax. You have to you have to take a pro rata piece uh, in your conversion of the pre-tax money and the after-tax money. So a portion of your pre-tax money, if you have any in your IRA, it's going to complicate it and that's going to be taxable. So you want to be careful about this. You know, usually when people do the, the backdoor Roth they don't do it if they have any other IRAs out there um, right. that are outside of a retirement plan, uh, a company retirement plan that would also have to be converted because you have to convert a piece of that with it. So normally they only do it if they have no other IRAs and you can do that conversion very cleanly, put all uh, non, non-deductible non money, after-tax money in IRA, then convert it to a Roth without any taxes. That's that's really the way to do it. Yeah, another really, this is really good. Uh, a lot of folks don't know about this, but getting money into a Roth, you can do that through an after-tax 401k contribution. Um, and it's another version of the backdoor Roth. Um, and, um, you know, it basically means that you're putting money into your 401k after tax, and then you're rolling it over. Now, it's not available in all 401ks. However, you know, a lot of larger employer plans do allow you to put after-tax money above the limit and um you can actually put up you know to uh to $57,000 um you know if you're under under 50 uh you can put that in there so you're capped at you know 19,500 or 26,000 depending on your age but then you could contribute after tax money up to those levels and roll that into a Roth. Yeah, if you're over 50 it's $63,500 is the limit, you know. So is it you can it's called topping out your plan basically. You can top out your plan with after-tax money above the employer match and above your your $26,000 if you're over 50. 
of uh, pre-tax money that you put in, you can put all that after-tax money in all the way up to that limit. So it's a huge amount you can get in. Of course, you know, this only works for high-income folks, you know, um, uh, if you have the income to be able to do that. But this is a way to get a lot of extra money into a Roth IRA very quickly um, because all that after-tax money then can immediately be rolled over directly into a Roth IRA without any taxes and at any time. Um, so it's a great way to really kind of cheat the system and supercharge your Roth IRA for retirement. Um, so, you know, just to kind of um, wrap this up, if you will, I mean, you know, when when do, the question is, when does a backdoor Roth IRA make sense? Um, you know, it may be appealing if you're if you've been, um, you know, blocked from making contributions to your Roth because of your income level. It's important to consider how that fits into your bigger picture and your larger income in you know retirement strategy. So you kind of have to have a plan and know how it all works and how and what your tax situation is going to look like in retirement. Um, so take a look at your retirement timeline. I mean, if you're close to the target date, retirement date, um, and uh, you find that you your conversion, you know, may make sense for you and and uh, you might have to pay too much taxes to to be able to do that. I mean, or you can get money in that you're in the right income level then I think it makes a lot of sense, um, particularly if your RMD at age 72 is going to push you into a higher tax bracket. Then you want to get all the money you can into a Roth early. And, um, you know, converting your IRA to a Roth also might make a lot of sense at that point. Yeah, as, as you can see, this is this is um, detailed. Yeah, so yeah. CPAs, advisors, or or you can add some, add some value here. So there's another there's another uh, you know guideline that IRS imposes. It's called the five year rule on um, IRA conversions on regular uh, uh, Roth IRAs. That means your Roth must be open uh, for a certain number of years that you can withdraw the money before the penalty. So five years. So if you tap that money sooner. Then you're going to have a 10 percent penalty on the withdrawal um, if you're under the age of 59 and a half. If you're over that, uh, then the 10 percent tax would not apply. So you got to be careful, you know, moving money in and out of these accounts. Um, you know, you got to have somebody probably guiding you through this because it is difficult. Yeah, that's right. You know, as we talked through this, I realized how complicated this is. You yeah. may want some help. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we understand this. You know, and most advisors do, but. You know, to, to explain this over over the show, it's a little, a little more complicated. So, yeah, just to let you know that it's available. It is just, available. That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. It is available. There is this backdoor Roth. There is, uh, you know, the the backdoor, uh, you know, Roth through the four hundred one k that you can get a lot of money in very quickly. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line here. It is a great tool. So you want to make sure you take advantage of that. You know, even if you're blocked out from making ordinary contributions because you're in a high income level, um, there may be other ways to get money in a Roth. And as we talked about earlier, doing an IRA conversion, you know, I mean, may be a great tool as well if you're in the lower tax bracket um, now that markets are down. So that's the story on the backdoor Roth. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. The question uh, or the prescription of the week is, Sorry, um, yep. yeah, prescription is, um, you know, your cash, what is it earning? Um, you know, most banks, when you look at them, are in the 0.3% range. Um, some of them are 0.1%. So not very much. Money markets out there, Schwab and Vanguard, you can get 1.2% after the expense ratio. Uh, American Express, has something that's 1.7%. It's FDIC insured. 
Now that was before the the rate drop. Uh, That's recently, right. So yeah, it's the, big, gonna... the big rate drop's going to bring all these down. Yeah, it is. It is. But uh, you can probably find a place that's paying more than point one percent as a point. So if you have, yeah, you know, we we run across people that are sitting on three hundred thousand dollars of cash, right. you know, sometimes, and they're making point one. It's like you may want to do something a little different with that. Make sure the accounts are linked. Uh, typically, they're online. Uh, Synchrony is another one that's out there. So just check it out. Yeah, I mean, money market accounts in general pay a lot more than bank savings accounts do nowadays. So, you know, we'd recommend you do not let your cash just sit idle in your savings account earning next to nothing. You know, make sure you're getting a market rate of return or, you know, yield on your uh, your cash savings um, by putting it in a money market or someplace that's going to pay a, uh, a decent decent yield. All right. Well, that's been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and send us your questions. Um, you can link to us right off our website at um, investrya.com. Um, give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.